In the previous Mishnah, we saw that if somebody performs Kiddushin on a woman and she has certain wounds on her body, which she does not know about, since a man is generally particular about this, if he did not know that she had wounds at the time of the Kiddushin, then the Kiddushin is invalid because it is a Mekach Ta'os, it's an acquisition. He's acquiring the woman based on misinformation or a lack of information. And as such, that acquisition, that Kiddushin, would be invalid. Now what happens if he discovers that Hoiba Mumin, she has wounds, and he discovers this when the Oida She is still living in her father's house, and they have not yet fully married. So she's in Arusa, she's, she's in her Arusan period, the time which is between the Kiddushin and the Nisuin, which is the completion of the marriage. And that's when he discovers that she has these wounds. So the husband says, I don't want to marry her. And he does not want to give the kasuba because he claims that at the time of the Kiddushin she already had the wounds and therefore the Kiddushin was not valid because it was a Mekach Ta'os whereas she and her father claim her father would be the one who would receive the Kasuba because she never fully left his authority and domain since she was never fully married. She was only an Arusa. So as we learned earlier on in the Masechta, an Arusa who receives a Kasuba, the Kasuba goes to her father. So he claims that at the time of the Kiddushin she did not have the wound and therefore the Kiddushin was valid and only after she was already an Arusa so then she developed these wounds and it's tough luck on the husband once he had already acquired the woman then she developed wounds that can't retroactively invalidate the kiddushin so what is the halacha does the father receive the ksuba or is that woman not entitled to a ksuba so i would have thought based on the rules which we learned about in the first parak of the masechta that she should receive the ksuba because she has a chazaka Chazaka refers to a status which we knew a person or an item had, and we assume that that status remains until proven otherwise. Now this woman wasn't born with wounds, which means that originally she had a chazaka of not having wounds. Now we know as a fact that right now, this moment she has wounds, but all of the time period in between when she was born, effectively, until now, is in a state of doubt. We don't know whether she had wounds during that time. And that time includes the time of the Kedushin. And so based on the rule of Chazaka, we should assume that she did not have wounds at the time of the Kedushin. That's one reason that she should receive the Kasuba. Another reason is because of the rule of Bori Vashem or Bori Adif. That if one person, in this case the woman, is making a certain claim, she knows when she had wounds and she's saying it only happened after the Kedushin. Her husband does not know and he's saying perhaps Shema, it was there already at the time of the Kedushin. In such a case, we believe the certain claim. So that's another reason why she should receive the Kasuba. However, says the Mishnah, the father must bring a proof that these wounds developed on her only after the time of the Kedushin, which literally means that the husband's field flooded. And that's a comparison to somebody who buys a field and then it floods. So it's his bad luck. He acquired something and Hashem wanted that his field will get flooded. So in this case, after he acquired the woman, so then she developed these wounds. But the actual acquisition and the Kiddushin is valid. So she would receive the Kasuba. So the father needs to bring a proof that that is the case. Meaning, in a regular case where he cannot bring a proof, he would not be able to take any money and she would not receive the Kasuba. Only in a case when Nechansol Baal, she already entered into the domain and authority of her husband. She already went through the stage of Nisuin. And then the husband discovered her wounds. Only in that case, Habaal Tsarhaviraya, does the husband need to bring a proof? She had these wounds already before she was, she received Kiddushin. And his acquisition was a Mekartos. It was based on misinformation and therefore invalid. But if he cannot bring a proof, which would be the regular case, 
case, then he would need to give her the ksuba. And the question is, surely that should always be the case. Because she has a chazaka, that she did not have a wound at the time of the Kiddushin, surely in any case where there's no proof, she should receive a ksuba because we'll assume that she did not have a wound at the time of the Kiddushin. So the Gemara answers that we have a different logic over here, which in this case would trump chazaka. And that is, kan nimtsu kan hoyu. They were found here, so here they were. Meaning, if it was discovered whilst she was still in her father's house, living there, as an Arusa, if it was discovered then that she has wounds, so we assume that really as long as she was in her father's house, she had wounds. We assume that even earlier on than that, she had these wounds, and we don't say, ah, they only developed after the Kedushin, and therefore she wouldn't receive her Kasuba. Now, if they were discovered once she'd already married her husband, so again, we say, kan nimtsu, kan hoyu. But wherever they were found, that's where we assume they began, and so we assume that only after the Nisuin even, she developed these wounds, and that certainly at the time of the Kedushin, she did not have the wounds, and therefore it would not be a mekartos unless the husband can prove otherwise. Divermeir, that is the opinion of Divermeir. Achachom, I remember the Chachom say, Baron Vramurim, when these words said, with wounds which are in hidden places. So in that case, if he discovers them before the Nisuin, he would not need to give a Kasuba because he can claim that at the time of the Kedushin he didn't know that she had these wounds, so it was a mekartos. Our woman Shabagolib, when it comes to wounds which are revealed, for example, on her face, any ochalitain, you can't claim that it's a mekartos because he certainly knew about it at the time of the Kedushin. A wound only makes the Kedushin into a mekartos if it was indeed a mistake. But if he knew that she had the wounds and nevertheless performed Kedushin on her, so that's not a mekartos, and therefore it would be valid, so he would need to give her the kasuba if he divorces her. As well as that, if there is a bathhouse in that city where all of the women would go there together, it was a public bathhouse, they would use the same one. He cannot even make a claim regarding the wounds which he has in hidden places, which are covered in Yeshubodkabikrovesov, because he would check about her with his female relatives. He would ask his sister or something, that woman in the bathhouse, do you know if she has any significant wounds in a place where I can't see? And we assume that that's what he did, and therefore he cannot claim that it was a Mekartos because he would have known whether she had wounds already from the time of the Kedushin. Mr. Tess, so Ishan Oduba Mumin, a man on whom wounds develop, and I'm talking about a case where the Kedushin is valid, so either he had the wounds already from the time of the Kedushin, but she knew about it, so the fact that she received the Kedushin and accepted it means that she doesn't mind, so it won't be a Mekartos, or he only developed the wounds after the marriage. Either way, since the Kedushin is valid, so they're fully married, and we don't force him to divorce her. It's her bad luck. When are these words said that we do not force him to divorce her? That is when it comes to small wounds. So that's considered bearable, and she cannot force him to divorce her. But when it comes to larger wounds, if she requests a divorce, then we do force him to divorce her and to give her the ksuba because it's his fault. He is responsible. It's coming from him, the reason for the divorce. And even though when it comes to a woman who has wounds, that is not considered to be a reason for the husband to divorce her. If it was, then you wouldn't have to give her the kasuba. But the halach is, if a woman develops wounds after the kedushin, then if he wants to divorce her, that's considered to be coming from him. 
and say, we need to give the kasuba. So why is it that when it comes to the woman's wounds, we do not consider that to be a reason for divorce, whereas when it comes to the man's wounds, we consider that to, yes, be a reason to divorce her? The answer may very well be that she is on the receiving end. In Kiddushin, a man acquires the woman. So we can say, like the comparison which the Mishnah gave in the previous Mishnah, that it's like somebody who buys a field and then it gets flooded. After he bought it, the thing which belonged to him was damaged. Hashem wanted that the item which belongs to him will be damaged, and that's why it only happened once he bought it. So he would say the same thing when it comes to Kedushin. He acquired the woman and then tough luck. The woman who he acquired got damaged, got wounded. But when it comes to wounds which the man has, since she's on the receiving end, we can't say that it's because Hashem wanted that the thing belonging to her would get damaged. He doesn't belong to her. He is not her acquisition. So the comparison to the field would not be a good comparison. And therefore, if he develops wounds, then we would force him to divorce her if she so desires. And she would receive a ksuba. For the following wounds which appear on the man, we would force him to divorce his wife, even according to the Chachomim of the previous Mishnah. Somebody who has a illness with boils. Somebody who has extremely smelly breath coming out of his nose. Somebody whose job it is to gather dung of dogs. This is used for the processing of hides animal skins, one who digs copper, again this gives him a very bad smell, somebody who works processing animal hides, again his breath becomes permanently very smelly, in these cases it is considered to be very unbearable for his wife, and therefore he would be obligated to divorce her and give her her kasuba. Whether they had these, whether they had these jobs or this bad breath, these illnesses before they got married, or whether it developed only after they got married, even if she thought at the beginning that she'd be able to bear it, so she did receive the Kedushin, if later on she sees that it is unbearable, he would be forced to divorce her. And Rabbi Meir takes us a step further, about all of these people, Rabbi Meir said, even if he made a condition with her, he said at the time of the marriage, I have these wounds, and I have this bad breath, do you still want to receive this marriage? And she says, yes, she agrees. Despite the fact that you have this bad breath, I'm still marrying you. Even in that case, once he, once she marries him, she is able to say to him, I thought then that I'm able to accept this and bear it. But now I realize that it is totally unbearable, and I cannot accept this, so I demand a divorce and a kasuba. Say, in a case where she made that condition, she does need to accept it against her will, since that is what she agreed to. Except for the man who has the disease of boils. Because she causes his skin to wear away and decay. When she has relations with him, it is very dangerous for him. And so in such a case, he would be obligated to divorce her because of the danger involved in having relations with her. And the parakens of There was a story which happened in a place called Sidain with a particular man who worked processing animal hides. That was one of the people on the list. And he died. And he had a brother who also had the same job. And this man who died, died without having any children. And as we have seen, when a man dies without children, there is a mitzvah on that man's brother to perform yibum and marry that man's wife, the widow. said, His wife is able to say, 
I was able to accept and bear your brother, despite the fact that he had this job, I was able to bear it. But for you, I'm not able to accept this, I can't bear it. And so I refuse to marry you, and therefore he would be forced to do chalitza, which is the process and based in which a man who has the mitzvah of Yibum can do instead of Yibum, and then she would be able to marry somebody else. And even though Yibum is really a continuation of the original marriage, fact is it is with another person, and so she has got the right, even if at the original marriage she said that I'm happy to marry you despite the fact that you have this job, since this is now a new person who has this job, she does have the right to say that I am not able to bear it, and so I demand that you perform Chalitza and not Yibum, and the halacha is that when she does Chalitza she then receives her Kasuba. The next parak and a half discuss the various property rights of a husband and his wife, and in particular the rights which a husband has towards his wife's property. Now it's very important to know that the property which a wife has, a woman who is married, is split into two categories. The first one is known as a nichseit tzayn barzel, and nichseit tzayn barzel refers to property which she brings into the marriage, and for as long as they're married, this property is fundamentally considered to be the husband's. For example, property which is part of the nadunya, the dowry which she brings into the marriage from the beginning, and is written inside of the kasuba, that property is called nichseit tzayn barzel, and it's considered to be his, and upon divorce, or when she is widowed, whenever she receives her kasuba, so she would receive the value which the field was worth at the beginning of the marriage, or as we discussed, it might need to be that you add on a third or a fifth, but the point is you receive the value which was fixed and written inside of the kasuba, regardless of how much that field or property is worth now. It could be that it's gone down a lot in value, or it's gone up a lot in value. That doesn't matter, she will receive a fixed amount, a fixed value, which was set when she brought that property into the marriage. Now the second type of property is known as nichse meloig, and nichse meloig is considered to be hers, even whilst they are married, but her husband has the rights to the payrace of that property, to the fruit and the benefits and the products which that property produces. Now our Mishnah is discussing nichse meloig, and we're going to see later on in this Mishnah that because the husband has rights to the payrace, to the produce and the benefits of his wife's nichse meloig field and property, that stops her from selling it. Because if she sells that property to somebody else, she would be depriving her husband of the pay race of that field. However, if property falls to a woman, for example, if she inherits it, before she receives kedushin from her husband, and after she receives that property, she then receives kedushin, that she is allowed to sell that property or to give it away, the kayam and that sale or gift would be valid, since when she received the property, she was totally single. So certainly she received that in her own merit, and only once she is fully married to her husband does her husband begin to have any rights over her property. But after the stage of Kedushin, he has not got any rights, and therefore she is allowed to sell that property to somebody else. What happens if the property fell to her, for example she inherited it, after she received Kedushin from her husband? She is allowed to sell it. The husband only has rights to her property once they are fully married. However, she is forbidden to sell it, since Vesil say there is a possibility that the entire reason why she inherited it and she merited to get this property was because she was set to marry this man. Once she had begun the marriage to this man, she hadn't yet completed it, but only once she had begun the marriage, then suddenly she received 
believe this is an inheritance. So it could be that it's in his merit, and therefore he has got some rights to this property, although he cannot yet benefit from the pay rise. It could be that she got the property only because she's about to marry this man, and after they get married, he'll be able to get the pay rise. And because of that, she cannot sell it, ideally. However, Elu Elu Moidim, both with Shaman and Basil agree, she in Mocha if she did go ahead and sell it or give it away, then Kayaman is valid. Because at the end of the day, it might be that she is in a position where she is set to marry him, but fact is, she doesn't, he does not yet have the right to any pay race of her field, and therefore the sale would be valid. Omar Bihuda, Bihuda said, Omrufayam and Gamliel. People said the following logic in front of Rav Gamliel. Since he has acquired the woman herself, should he not acquire her property as well? Meaning, should that not stop her from selling her property? Rav Gamliel said to them, On new property, which she receives after she's fully married, we're ashamed. That's what it literally means, and it means that it doesn't really make so much sense that she can't sell it even after she's fully married to him. According to the strict letter of the law, a husband should not have rights to the payers of his wife's property. However, since there is an obligation on a husband to ransom his wife in a case where she is captured, the Chachom said that in return for that, we're going to award him with the payers of his wife's field. But at the end of the day, the field is still hers. And even the pay raise shouldn't really go to him. So if she goes and sells the field, there should be nothing stopping her doing that. But nevertheless, we still we still say that's the halacha. Once we awarded the pay raise to him, that's enough to stop her from selling the field. But you want to roll that onto us, even the old property, meaning that which she inherited before the Nisuin, only after the Kiddushin, even before they're married, you want to say that she's not able to sell the property. That's already too much. Alright, continues the if property fell to her, for example, as an inheritance, after she was already fully married, in that case, as we just explained, both Hisham and Basil agree that if she did sell it or give it away, that the husband is able to take back that property from the ones who took it, who bought it or received it, in order that her husband be able to still benefit from the pay race of that field. Now what happens if she received the property, she inherited it, before the Nisuin, and this could be before she received Kedushin, or even afterwards, doesn't make a difference, and then the Nisais, then she got fully married, and then she gave away the property. Ram Gamriel, Ram Gamriel says, if she sold it or gave it away, Kayom, that is valid. Since the property became hers before she was married to him, although ideally she may not sell it after the Nisuin, if she does sell it, at the end of the day the property is hers, and therefore the sale would be valid. Omar Rechanin ben Akavya, Rechanin ben Akavya said, they said in front of Rebbe Gamliel, since he has acquired the woman fully, and this is after the stage of Nisuin even, should he not merit and acquire the property such that if she sells it, she is not able to do so, and the sale would be invalid. Gamliel said back to them the same argument which we saw earlier on. We are ashamed and don't really understand why the Chachomim said that even the property which is new, which she inherited after the Nisuin, why she can't sell that. You want to roll that onto us, even the old property, which she received before the Nisuin. That's already too much. And since the property became hers before the Nisuin, if she does sell it, even after the Nisuin, the sale would be valid.